Welcome to the Right Reality Podcast. My name is Mixie. Hi, everybody. My name is Steve. We have a very special episode for you guys. You might be thinking, where's the normal recap? Well, Steve's on vacation. I am right now. Like Right now. As I'm talking. Well, not like right now, but as you're listening to this, I'm in Alaska, bitches. Woo! Chilling in that ice-cold Alaskan water. Oh, looking at whales and shit. I'm so happy for you. Yes. But we weren't going to leave you guys empty-handed, so we called in a favor to the Mr. Marky Mark, Woo. and we had to sit down with him, talked about everything from Temptation Island to bonfires to old-school antique roadshow, and some of you guys might be surprised of another show that he did that we'll touch on in there. I'm not going to gonna spoil anything, but... Yeah, you got to wait for that. You have to listen to this upcoming uh, interview. It's, it's worth it. So, uh... You know, sit down, grab a glass of wine. This one is a good one. He's got lots of advice for you as well. And I'm not going to lie, he does tease the final. So there might be some info in this podcast that you aren't expecting. Uh, I guess without further ado, let's listen to Mark. Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're, we're so excited to have you on. An honor. It's quite incredible to have you here. Thank you so much for making time on this beautiful monday we're having here in southern california <laughs> yes you're in southern california i'm in los angeles i'm in van nuys yeah we, we could have just gone to your house i'm, I'm your neighbor <laughs> <laughs> well i'm in my closet in new york city so <laughs> i'd rather be at your house actually but uh but i live closer to you yeah that, that makes sense that's great well we, we can't wait to get into everything temptation island um, and we have just a bunch of questions for you, but we we need to okay. start where I think a lot of people met you at one point in time, which was Antiques Roadshow. Okay. Absolutely. Do people just see you on the street and run up to you with some like old ass vase or something like that and like say, how much is this worth? You have to tell me how much this is worth. <laughs> I used to joke about that, that, uh, you know, I always think about the difference between being a host and an actor is that like an actor, you see them and you're like, oh, you know. Hello, Tom Cruise. Can I get a picture? Right. Uh -huh. You know, you famous guy. And with me, it's a little more familiar. So literally when I was doing roadshow, people would walk up to me in the airport and go, I have this watch. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how much it's worth. So I, just, I don't know. I'm just a host. Oh, man. That's so funny. I have to say, I have this incredibly like interesting take about the show is that the people who think their stuff is worth more always have the same reaction than the people who thought it was worth less and it's worth more it's the oh okay all right yeah. that's oh okay and they're like i was hoping this would change my life and they're like two thousand dollars yeah <laughs> and then those of us who don't have anything of two thousand dollars resent them for being so blase about yeah. it. yes Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Come on. I'd love to have a vase that's worth $2,000 that I just found. That's a win for me. Look, I was on that show for like, you know, I don't know, 14 years. And the only thing I learned was that I don't own anything of value. <laughs> that, that was basically the takeaway for me. I was going to ask you, do you like, can you, can you look at things, even like see like a stamp or something and be like, that's, that's real. That's fake. Like designer bags, nothing. <laughs> you learned zero. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> I mean, I can probably tell the difference between something that's crap and something that's good, but I can't tell the difference between good and great. Mm. Okay. You know? Well, that's, I mean, that's better than, than I can say, at least. Yeah. And even that's a stretch. I'm so, like, that just looks old. I mean, it could be worth something, <laughs> but I don't know. That's usually what people were saying about me. So. 
Well, speaking of old, there is something. Be careful. I'm going to see where you go with this. <laughs> I dug deep into the archives. So, yes. Joe Millionaire. Yes. Yes. Um, Joe Millionaire came back. I'm not sure. Did you Did you watch the new season of Joe Millionaire? I knew it was out. I didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did we did uh, our recaps with Joe Millionaire, and I just had to tell the people that listen because they're diehard Joe Millionaire fans. How was that? Because so for everybody that doesn't know, Mr. Mark Wahlberg, he you did the um like the reunion show for the very first one, right? Yeah. So the original Joe Millionaire happened on Fox. I was doing Temptation Island on Fox, and when they did the interview with. Evan Marriott, who was the original guy, mm-hmm. and the girl that he ended up with, whose name mm-hmm. I can't remember right now. Nobody I, can. I, I, did, I did that interview. It was interesting because he was a little aloof, and and uh, it was it was an awkward interview at best. Really? Uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. How did you feel like being portrayed as a Prince Charming? And he's like, you know, that wasn't me. They totally made that made me look a certain way. I said, so you're upset with the fact that they made you look very good. Yeah. <laughs> so that was sort of how the interview went. Yeah. That was a strange show. Were you surprised to see it come back? Nothing surprises me because I was surprised to see my show come back. I yeah. mean, I don't know a world we live in where you do a show and then 18 years later after it was canceled, it comes back and they hired you. So, uh, that's a win. Possible, I guess. Yeah. That was, good yeah. For me for sure. Uh huh. That's amazing. Are you like buddy buddies with other hosts? Is there like a fantasy football league that you, TJ Lavin, Chris Harrison, Jesse Palmer, Martin the <laughs> Butler, are are you in that league? Is that is that a thing that exists? No, I, I don't know if I'm in any league uh, or if there's a league I didn't get a jersey. I don't know. Um, I can't say that I'm close friends with a lot of people. I see Jeff Probst every now and then and he's very kind and, and we're pals, but we don't hang out. But when I see him, you know, it's always great because he's a, a really good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know one another. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that we, that I, I'm trying to think of who I hang out with. And I don't really hang out yeah. with anyone famous. Sorry to disappoint you. Hey, no. They're not getting anything from the farm that you grow or anything like that. They're not getting a. They're a, welcome a... to my, <laughs> my produce and eggs. Yeah. But uh, no one has knocked on my door and asked for them at this juncture. Okay. How's the farm going? Is it a good yield, a good yield this year? Yeah, I appreciate you asking because that's <laughs> that's what the listeners want to know. I haven't planted because I've been in and out of town, so I didn't plant yet this year. So mm. I'm way late. I usually plant in February, um, but my eggs are um, my chickens are going nuts. Well, that's good. That's great. Um, and I think it's because I said to them recently, uh, girls, um, start laying some eggs because there's a short walk from the chicken coop to the grill. So <laughs> you know. That's what the people want to know. Did you have to therapize your your chickens to like make sure that they're in healthy, happy relationships to to get when, the eggs you want? When they lay an egg, I ask them how they feel about it. Okay, good. That's yeah. great. Are you asking them? Are you being your authentic self? Is that the follow up? I, I do ask that, and then I show them a clip of a rooster. Uh huh. And then and then do you ask them what they saw? Yeah, exactly. So uh, what did you see there? That's fantastic. I love it so much. Oh, that's amazing. Oh. Well, that leads right into our Temptation Island questions, and and boy, do we have a lot of them. 
That was probably the most creative segue I've heard ever. <laughs> so from chickens to Temptation Island. Welcome to the number one Temptation Island podcast. That's what we do. We're number one for a reason. That's what we do. There you go. <laughs> we wanted to kind of talk to you about how you got into this job. Like I know you said prior there was, it all it happened a long, long time ago and then it just kind of came back. Can you kind of give us a breakdown of, of how you stumbled into Temptation Island and then how you stumbled back into Temptation Island? Sure. So the original one, you know, reality TV had just started. Mm-hmm. Big Big Brother had come out and wasn't a particularly big hit. Survivor came out and was a huge hit. And then we were next. And so I got this audition that I it was weird because in my whole career, I can't I, I can't really name very many shows that I just got the traditional way where you go to an audition and they hire you. But this was one where I had never met the producers and I went in. And the audition was uh, a casting director sitting with me. And maybe there was somebody else and they said, so the scenario is the couples have arrived at the island and they've just met all the singles and now it's the next morning and you're asking them how they felt about the mixer that they met all the singles. This is before any of it had happened. Mm -hmm. So I just started, I'm like, I don't know. So I just started improving, you know, like, you know, I saw you really looking at that girl and, uh, you know, is that your type and this, that and the other. And then I left and that was the audition and I didn't think about it. And then I got a call saying they want to see you again. And when I walked in, I was meeting with the producers and they said, look, we don't know if we want to hire you or not. We just had you back in to hear how the rest of your episode finishes. Wow. (laughs) I love that. And then the next conversation was my agent calling and saying, we don't have an offer for you, but we need you to go get shots and start taking malaria pills in case they give you an offer. It will be too late to start the medication. Wow. I said, this is. So typically agent stuff where they're going to actually give me a shot in the ass without giving me any money. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ended up getting the job and I went to Belize and we shot what was an experiment. You know, it was sort of like cheaper to just do the series than to do a proof of concept pilot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there we were, you know, in the jungle and, you know, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and, and I was like, no script and just kind of go do your thing. And so, I did, and the show was the highest rated show in the history of Fox at the time. Wow. And it ran for a couple of years, and then we did a third season on Fox Reality, which was a cable channel, but, you know, like five people watched it, mm-hmm. and um, four of them were my family, I think. <laughs> um, and uh, and then it was gone. And then I went on and did my career, and life went on. And then all of a sudden, I was at a place in my life where I was really getting kind of um, disillusioned with the whole television thing. It was like, you know, I wasn't doing Antiques Roadshow anymore and the phone wasn't really ringing for me to do TV shows and I was doing all kinds of other stuff. And I finally said, you know what? I, I think I'm done with TV. I think they're done with me and I can be good with that. And as soon as I kind of got okay with that, the phone rang and they'd picked up Temptation Island and they wanted to meet with me. Well, I'm thinking they're not going to hire me as the host. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. uh, I think they just want a meeting to see, you know, pick my brain about what it was like the first time. So I always tell the story that I went into that meeting and my attitude was sort of like Morgan Freeman and Shawshank uh, Redemption <laughs> on his last parole hearing. Yeah. He finally walks in and goes, like, I don't care. Yeah. You, know, like, uh-huh. you feel like you've been rehabilitated. He's like, I don't know what you think that means, Sonny. <laughs> Just go ahead and stamp your little paper and do your thing and let me get back to my life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can stamp your little paper, Sonny. Um, I remember just saying, look, you know, I don't know what your plans are for the show really kind of an asshole of me, but I'm like, I don't know what your plans are, but 
just know that there was no script and we were doing it this way and make sure you hire somebody that knows what they're doing because you know what had what has been over the past 20 years is that reality show hosts some of them are good and some of them are kind of tools yeah i said but this show you really need somebody that knows what they're doing so good Mm -hmm. luck and i wish you the best and then i don't know two weeks later robbie and i my wife and i were in hawaii where i said (laughs) Look, I'm so grateful to be doing the show again and us to be in Maui that, like, if they want my hair to be blue and me to talk in French, I'll learn French. I'll do it. And um, so then I went and did my thing, and it dawned on me that the people that were working on the show, the crew, Mm -hmm. were at the top of their game in reality TV. But this was an industry that grew after I was out of it. Right. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And and they'd seen all these talent, all these different hosts and stuff. So I came on and did my thing the way I know how to do it, which is just be real and be me. And they were looking at me like I was some strange animal. They were like, I've never seen anybody do this. I said, this is what we call broadcasting. This is like what we know how to do. And so, but my stance was, look, to the producers, I'm like, look, I'm going to do what I can to get you the sound bites and ask questions and do all the stuff. But it's not about me, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. if I had a perfect world, I would do the bonfires and you'd cut me out of the bonfires. And the show would be really successful. And then you'd, you know, we'd go on forever and no one would ever know who I am and it would be fine with me. Yeah. And then, so we did season one and they were kind of blown away with my approach. And then we go in to do season two and the first bonfire, I'm just trying to be a good host, like trying to give the producers what they want. And they Mm -hmm. pull me aside and they say, Mark, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just trying to, you told me not to produce and just to host. I'm just trying to do it. Uh We need you to do that thing you do. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) They said, we need to call them out and talk to them and, I said, well, all right, if that's what you want, then um, I only know how to do it a certain way and you're just going to have to edit it because I'm not going to, you can't mm-hmm. at the same time tell me to be me and then tell me not to talk so much because yeah. I talk a lot. And after that, it was like, go. And even in season four, it was even more so that they were like, you know, we really want your point of view. And and I was uncom- I have always been uncomfortable with that uh-huh. uh, because my feeling about the host is to serve the show and not make it about you. Yeah. Um, but I'm also really, really grateful that the show is as nuts as it is, guilty pleasure wise. Oh yeah. But the bonfires have some sense of something real, I I like to think. And that's, absolutely. That's kind of my approach on it. Did you I did you kind of well you kind of said you made that your your thing. Was that something that when the very beginning when it first started that that the producers were like, you know, we really want you to be there for these contestants and talk them through things or were they more just kind of like poke the bear, get them to say things? It wasn't even like that at all. You got to remember we were sort of inventing this. So Yeah. The bonfire back then was on the beach. Yeah. And it was actually a bonfire with kerosene pots. Oh, God. So by the end of the night, you know, I'd have like black like this from uh-huh. kerosene. And we would have a meeting before the bonfire and the producers, would, I would say to them, based on the story that you know, what are you hoping happens at the bonfire? And mm-hmm. I said, so I will ask questions and try to get you what you think the story is. But if the story's something else, I'll give you something. I always say, I'll go fishing and may not be the fish you wanted, but we'll have something to eat. Yeah. So, um, and technically things were different. So the bonfires then, there was a setup, the cameras were all around, but the the compute, uh, excuse me, the producers were in a temporary video village, right? Yep. Like an mm-hmm. easy up on the beach that was a hundred yards down the beach. 
And there was really not a stage manager and I didn't have an earpiece and I just would go do the bonfire. Wow. And I told them, I said, look, I'm probably going to talk for 15, 20 minutes about anything <laughs> until I sense they calm down and relax and then we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. And so I would just do the bonfire for like an hour without a note. And then when I felt like we were at a stopping point, I'd say, okay. And then I'd walk off and go down to Video Village where they would say, okay, now go back in and do these pickups. Ask these wow. And, uh, and then we learned that me walking away was good. So I would do the bonfire and I'd walk away to go check with the producers, but then they'd keep rolling yeah. because mm -hmm. they'd be talking about it. Mics are there. still open. But they were really organic. I mean, it was really like just no script. And it was never go get them or stir the pot. It was do your thing. And I didn't know I had a thing, but I did it anyway. I mean, you clearly have a thing. And you're good at it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm watching it. I was like, he's he's got a, like, he went to college for psych or something like that. He's. I didn't go to college for anything. <laughs> I went to college for several minutes. You've never, like, <laughs> taken a class, done any, like, scene studies or like, workshops in psychology? Because, uh, like, watching it to us. I think what you're doing is you are being the people at home being like, somebody needs to tell them what's really going on here. And mm -hmm. isn't that what we want our hosts to do on every show? Absolutely. That's what the job is of the host is to speak for the people on the couch who can't yell, who are yelling at the screen. But not everybody uh -huh. does that. No, no, not everybody does that. And this one is, is juicier. I mean, it's yeah. talking yeah. about real stuff. So the answer to your question is, I have no formal training, wow. nor do I have, uh, I barely have a high school degree. Like I walked down the aisle, like concerned that I was going to get an empty tube. Oh, wow. um, so that's a whole other story. It's just the burrito. They handed him just the burrito. It wasn't a degree. I thought it was going to have like a, you know, like a letter saying, see me after graduation. <laughs> uh, and I went to college uh, for a short time, um, but really the, the stuff that you're speaking about, I can't say that I'm, I haven't had some training. I've gone to several different workshops for my own personal growth okay. to kind of be more empowered and, and figure out what are the things in my life that I keep repeating that I'm not happy with and what can I complete on so I can be more successful. And, and that's been a journey. And, you know, my wife, we've been married uh, for 180 years. Oh, good. very good for you. You're winning every one of those contests at the weddings where they say, keep standing, you know. I'm doing the math of what a show business marriage is. Oh, that's true. That is true. It's a multiplier. So in real life, August will be 35 years, which is the longest running marriage in all of show business. I believe that's scientifically correct, yes. <laughs> I think you can check, you know, fact check it at Wikipedia, but I think that's just hold up. Yeah, Google it. We'll Google it. Um, but she... My wife is really incredibly amazing. And uh, she's been sober for 38 years. And so her sobriety path also overlays into mental health and awareness and growth and empowerment and all that. Mm -hmm. So we've grown each other up. I said, you know, most of the stuff I say the bonfire, either she taught me or I had to learn to survive her. <laughs> right? <laughs> so... She and I have what I call a full contact marriage. You know, when we have coffee in the morning, we usually talk about really deep shit that comes yeah. up in our relationship yeah. and we go there. But we have both been uh, really active in sort of like a 
a study of all the teachers that we can find that are teaching stuff about authenticity, about the difference between your ego and your real self and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how to um, continue the things that work for you and, and stop the pattern of the things that you do to yourself that don't work for you. Right. Yeah. And so there has been some training that not, not training, but, but education I've availed myself of for my own personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear that a lot come out of me, yeah. but it's an, it's really just an amalgam of things I've learned just because I'm older than anyone on the show. And I've been around longer that I've had to learn some stuff. Yeah. And so that's, you know, and I've also raised two kids and I've been married a long time and, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, all that stuff. So I'm a sponge for spiritual information, philosophical information, um, empowering information. And that's kind of the, the stuff I talk about, but I wouldn't say it's formal training of anyone. That's incredible. I, I want to let you know that there's some listeners from our podcast that have said that it seems like you're licensed. Ugh. Like they are licensed and they think you might be licensed. That's how good you are at it. One of them even said she's a little upset that she's got a lot of student debt and she probably didn't even need to go because you're doing it without it. Well, you know, I have a, a, a battle with uh, imposter syndrome oh. myself. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I take a lot of uh, I have a lot of esteem for those people who have letters after their name and have put in the work and uh-huh. really know what they're doing. And I'm very careful. I try to be very careful to let the people on the show know, look, you know, I'm a game show host. <laughs> right. So just be clear that what you're it, the advice I'm giving you is worth what you pay for, which is zero dollars. Yep. <laughs> but it comes from a place of experience. And it comes from a place of love and if I always say it's like a jacket, you try on the jacket. If it fits, you wear it. If it doesn't mm-hmm. fit, take it off. You know, some of the stuff is going to land for you. Some of it isn't, but I'm very, very grateful. Every time I get a message asking me, do I have training? Cause that it makes me feel like, you know, I'm saying things that matter to some people, Yeah. but I really appreciate you asking the question so that I can make it clear to your audience and my audience that my intention is pure. My uh-huh. my love for these people is real. My commitment to them is usually greater than their commitment to them. Yeah. But my training is really just life experience plus some workshops and reading, a lot of reading and listening to Deepak and Eckhart Tolle and, you know, Ram Dass and Tony Robbins or anybody who'll talk, you know, yeah. Bray Brown, whoever, you know, all these, the stuff that I hate that my wife makes me listen to that I complain <laughs> about. This is a joke in our life is that she'll, read me something and I'll roll my eyes at her. And I'm like, God, Rob, Jesus, I just don't want to do this. And then bonfire comes and I say it like I came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> She's sitting there like I did that. <laughs> my wife is in the control room going, yeah, that, that fucker, yeah. you know, <laughs> just, just logging it down. That was mine. So I'll get 50% of that line. And yeah, yeah. well, she gets a hundred percent of everything. It's <laughs> direct deposit goes right there. I love the fact that she's with you out there doing. I love that she's there. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about that because the reason is, you know, we raised two kids. I've got a 30 year old and a 26 year old. Mm -hmm. And I traveled a lot through most of my career for whatever reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had to stay home a lot. And um, when this came back around and the dog was dead and the kids were grown, I'm (laughs) like, I don't really think I can go to Hawaii for 35 days and not bring my wife. Yeah. And. And my stance has always been work is work and it's not the place to bring your family. I don't care if you're the talent or whatever, but I made my deal. I'm like, I'll go do this. But the rule is you, you have to bring both 
my wife and I, and we're going five days before show the show starts so I can acclimate. Yes. Which yes. just means surf and get sun. You got to get that base tan before you start rolling. Very important. <laughs> but what has happened out of it is like we got the first season and she's like, where am I going to watch the bonfire? And I said, look, I'll get you in the control room, but you have to be silent and invisible. <laughs> Because in show business and television, when stuff is going down, the control room, they can talk a lot of shit about the host when you do something stupid, but they don't mean anything about it. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh, what is he doing? I said, and I don't want you to, to impede them talking shit about me. Yeah. You know, because you know, because you're in the room, I don't want them to Hey, that's my husband. Right. <laughs> Why the fuck would he answer that question? Why did we bring this guy back? That's my husband. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And if you knew my wife. She's from New Jersey. I love it. She'll throw down. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but what has happened is, besides the fact that this crew and staff are a family mm-hmm. that I adore, that embraces her and me at a level that I you could only dream of, it's really back to the conversation about growth and all that is that it's a manifestation of what I'd always wanted and a reflection of, you know, you kind of create your environment, I'd like to think. Yeah. But what is also really great about having her there is that, for people who don't know me, I'll say stuff and they're like, wow, that's great. But Robbie's the only one who knows me. Mm-hmm. So after a bonfire, she'll say, this is great. This is great. This is great. But I thought you were going to go here and you were kind of full of shit on this. And- that's what I was going to ask you is you guys go home at night and you're laying in bed and she's like, why the hell didn't you say that to Hanya? And you should have said this to Jillian and this to Ashley. <laughs> like, is, do you get grilled? There is some of that. What really happens is when I go to do the bonfire, um, I don't have any notes. I do have mm-hmm. an earpiece. So Trafari, who's the executive producer, who I, I would take a bullet for, who's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. She's there if I miss something to help me. But I would, I think she would say that a lot of it, if not most of it, is coming straight from me. She's guiding me, and that's all great. But the process goes that we do the bonfire, and that's like several hours because we do two bonfires, the boys mm-hmm. and the girls, and it's just like exhausting. And I can't remember a word that I said in any of them when I'm done. It's sort of like I'm in it. It's like a zone. And then I go home and then it takes me a minute to wind down. And then I get in bed and it's like two in the morning. And all I can say is I can't believe I said that. And why didn't I say that? And all just self-doubt. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and Robbie then is there to say, you know, this was really good. She's really more supportive than she is not supportive. That's but in great. the cases where I've gone down a road that she didn't agree with, believe me, I'm the first to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of filling you in and being like, listen here. But so. she's, she's my biggest supporter. I always tell the joke that, you know, we had one really deep bonfire in season three, maybe season three. I, I don't remember, but it was really deep. And, and the bonfire is way over one part of where we were staying and she's in Mm -hmm. the control room, which is in a different part. And as we're walking across the lawn and it's dark and it's late and we have to be quiet because after the bonfire, they're doing interviews all over the place with the people. Robbie comes out of the control room with her arms in the air like this. And she yells masterpiece. (laughs) I'm like, you got to take it down. I love the enthusiasm, but not right now. (laughs) She is a, and has always been my biggest cheerleader. That's fantastic. And, uh, That's awesome. And I love that and encourage her to wear the skirt. <laughs> I'm <only kidding>. uh, <laughs> see, when you've been married long enough, you know, objectify each other sexually is actually romantic. A hundred percent. But don't do that to strangers and other people. <laughs> 
Let me mark that down real quick. Let me get my yeah, pen. Yeah. Just keep that right that right here. Throwback to you and your wife before you were married, before any of that. Do you think you two would have gone on Temptation Island? No, there's no way. No chance. <laughs> no chance in hell. Um, because um, my wife's very private. Yeah. Um, okay. And so that's not going to be something we do. And I, uh, when we met, uh, had no interest in talking about anything real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, so yeah. The last thing I want to do is have any confrontation with anyone. <laughs> and that's what we always laugh about is that I did this show Moment of Truth years ago. And I did oh, we're aware of oh, that Oh, yeah. Show. Moment of Truth, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm Southern, like I was raised in the Deep South. Uh-huh. And our entire way of being is to basically lie to you to make sure you're comfortable. Oh, and yeah. never talk about what's in the room, actually. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And, but what has happened is um, because I feel it so deeply, I'm thrust into these shows that are fully confrontational. And my feeling is I'd rather it be me running the show than somebody else that's going to be like, uh, let's see if we can just turn the screws on them. I have no interest uh-huh. in turning screws. I have interest in making sure they're being real and there's a takeaway that will help them or even if it's painful, will inform them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's a, it's a paradox. It's like, if I chose it, I'd rather do a game show and do some jokes and give away money and people are happy. And, but if I got to do it, I'd rather be me than somebody else. Cause I know that I'm going to actually care about that. Absolutely. Are you privy to a lot of the stuff that's happening at the parties and stuff like that? Or does that inform anything that, I mean, we're going to talk about the bonfire specifically at the end, but are you, you talked about video village. Are you like watching during some of these parties? Do they give Absolutely you Absolutely not like a rundown or anything or you're getting the bonfire and they say we have four clips and you don't know what they are. So it's a mixture. The entire production staff that's in the story department gets a hot sheet every day where somebody's writing cliff notes of what's gone down mm-hmm. and that I read. Okay. Okay. But I don't sit in the booth. I don't look at anything and I'm not in the houses when anything's going on. Okay. As far as the bonfire clips go, if they're earth shattering clips, like people banging this past week was, <laughs> I may be given a heads up. Okay. I may, I may have walked by the control room while they're cutting something together and I may have seen a glimpse, but I really work hard to not look at any of them so that I can honestly say to them, I don't know what's in this clip. You don't know what's in this clip. Let's watch it together and then mm-hmm. process it. And the yeah. briefings that we've yeah. gone through have changed over the years because what normally happens, it's a pretty hectic day for the bonfires and I get there late. And, um, Trafari will come in and we'll sit and we'll go through each person and say, here's what he's dealing with. Here's what he's dealing with. And we'll have this relatively in-depth conversation. But mm-hmm. in season four, she and I are on such a shorthand, the way we kind of deal with one another, that there were times she'd walk in and we'd have a brief conversation about the general place where we were. And she's, she said to me, you know what's up. And, and I got your back. So let's just go do it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's funny because yeah. I don't even think about it now, but. If you compare it to like a daytime talk show or something like that, it's like I should have cards and questions and all that. Yeah, uh huh. None of yeah. that. No, yeah. and, and no plan. I don't really wow. have a plan. That's impressive. Usually, and if I were a producer, I'd be concerned. Well, and I've said to Robbie, I can't imagine a network would have a multi million dollar show and let the host just kind of do his thing and take your chances and not have any idea what's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's working for us. And so, I mean, I have an idea. Let's not. Let's not, uh-huh. I mean, I have an idea, but if it's not like an earth shattering 
clip, then I don't necessarily have an idea. It's like, mm -hmm. there's eight clips. I don't watch any of them. And I hear about a couple of them, but when we get into it, it's basically this, it's yeah. like, you know, let's look at it. And then I go, what did you see? Yeah. You know, what you hear me say, how did that make you feel? What did you see? And then uh -huh. we start a conversation that you see in sound bites that make me look really smart. But in fact, there was a long conversation that took a, there, there are chunks of things and tears and moments that aren't in the show at all because it may affect mm -hmm. family members who didn't approve to be on the show or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, one mm -hmm. of the things I absolutely adore about the show is that that's something you don't find in our business. That it's like, just let's just go have a conversation and then they'll cut it and it'll work out. And, and so I, I'm really honored and grateful to have a production company and producers who trust me enough and support me enough. I, again, it's not all me, but to be that loose with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there are moments that I miss and Shafari in my ear says, ask her how that was and this and that and the other. But for the most part, the couples don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And we talk about it just like you would. Yeah. Well, do you do you also do you get to talk to the singles? Is there any time that you get to like really have a conversation with any of them? I actually thought about this this year that um, I wouldn't mind having some sort of bonfire-esque sort of thing with the singles who are involved in the story to see what their intention is and what they're going through. Because the way I yeah. look at it is the show is is served best when the singles are also looking for a real connection. Absolutely. And, uh, but the answer to your question is no. I see them at an elimination. I see them when I walk in the house to announce that there's going to be a bonfire and they immediately tense up as soon as I walk in the door. <laughs> I have a deep affection for them and they shower me with love. I mean, it's like I don't take any of our relationships casually. Um, I do everything I can not to judge how people behave. That's something I've learned actually from Gen Z and millennials that I happen to um, think is really special mm -hmm. is that the generation of the people that are on the show um, in some cases have grown to be superficial with Instagram and all the social media and how that works. Yeah. But what I really more impressed with is all the bullshit that my generation and generation before me indulge like racism, genderism, ageism, mm -hmm. uh, non-inclusivism, you know, yeah. fear, homophobia, all that stuff. Yeah. This generation has kind of, you know, gotten clear on that yeah. mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. And all they really care about is, are you real or are you full of shit? Yeah. And if you look at it generationally, it's like this generation brought us like, instead of, getting an insurance broker to get your insurance, you get an app and you just do your insurance that way. Yeah. Instead of buying a car at a dealership, you go to car gurus and they deliver it to your door. Yeah. What yeah. that generation has done is cut out the middleman and empower themselves with, I can make this decision and I don't need your bullshit sales mm -hmm. pitch. Let's just mm -hmm. be real. Yeah. I adore that. And even the language that I see being developed, it's a whole lexicon. Uh, of slang and everything come from yeah. an inclusive place for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, and I love it. And I'm honored to, uh, while I'm not in the demographic, be heard by that demographic. In other words, somehow the way I put things they can hear as opposed to toning me out as another, you know, completely out of touch boomer, which <laughs> 
would not be unfair to say about me. But um, do you think that's informed the way that you you talk to people at the bonfire? Because there are times where, uh, you know, there are things that we've heard you say a lot that I like the authentic thing. And how does that make you feel? But there's also time where you're like, listen, it's just us here. Let's let's be real. Why? Like, yeah, we're recording this, but stop. Stop lying. I know that's not how you really feel. There are outtakes that are even harder than that. But that's also, there's two, two sides to that. From a broadcasting standpoint, it's your job as the host to, um, if it goes off the rails and, you're, and they're fronting, yeah. right? Yeah. To call bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's rarely when I call bullshit. It's not from a broadcast standpoint. What I'm trying to do is, well, I'm not trying to do, but what what happens for me is I'm listening very deeply to them. That's why I mm-hmm. can't remember anything we say the bonfire. And I usually listen to things beyond what they're saying, but I'll listen for words that are indicative of how they're actually feeling, that they're not even aware they're saying. So sometimes you'll hear me repeat back to them, you know, you just described this this way. Or like uh, a kind of rudimentary example is that the final dinner in the first episode I'm talking with Luke and Iris and it's pretty superficial and then I say to him as soon as you mentioned the word family you got upset what's that about and then floodgates right yeah. yep I'm really deeply listening to everything you're communicating not just your words mm-hmm. and trying to find between the stuff you say because it sounds good and the stuff that you didn't realize you said that's an, a window that that's an opening and that's what I hope to find but that's where those people who have gone to school and really study can do this quicker than me um, or better than me or, or more astutely than me. But that's what my process is that I'm I've learned that, I guess, uh, Gen Z would call me an empath. <laughs> yep. It sounds really cool. Like, oh, I really feel people. I'm an empath. The fact of the matter for me is being an empath grew out of great fear as a child. And so what I developed was a deeper listening to suss out danger. Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, so I'm listening and and I feel like um, what it is, is I'm looking as a childhood um, for signals, nonverbal and verbal, to really see what's going on. Because where I grew up in the deep south, you know, you get a lot of smiles and nods, but those people were actually hating on you, you know, and so I would have to suss out what was real. And so that that's the skill, I think, was born out of actually stuff I've had to work on growing past. Yeah. But but I really think it's accessible. And I talk about this a lot to a lot of people when they say, how do you do this? And how do you public speak and stuff like that? I said, you know, when I'm up on stage talking to a, a crowd or when I'm in the bonfire, it's not me asking mm-hmm. questions necessarily it's me responding to what i heard from you even if you're an audience because i hear you communicating whether you're saying something or not mm-hmm. and so what's coming out of my mouth is actually a response to you and what an energy or vibe or words you're giving me and that's what what it feels that's what it feels like to me i i love that because because we we talk about that in my acting classes is active listening and you have a line that you're about to say but the line is different based off what they give you. And you can only respond and only be a real person based off how they talk to you. And you're 
uh, in your relationship with them. It's interesting you say acting class because my wife uh, is an actor. And in her acting class, this teacher was saying, throw the script out entirely, right? Mm -hmm. And then work from that way. And I have said to people, I also have the ability to memorize really, really, really quickly, like obnoxious. But the way I memorize is not what you would think. The way I memorize is what am I trying to say? Mm -hmm. Like this paragraph, I'm conveying this. And this paragraph, I'm conveying that. And what usually happens with good writing is that the words flow the way they should. So once you know what you're saying, you connect to the the meaning of it, then the words seem to come. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're talking about, if you don't know the relationship that you have with that person or the or the given circumstances of where you're at, it doesn't matter if you know every single word of the line, if you're not delivering that in a way that these people would actually have a conversation based off how they know each other. Connected to what you're actually conveying, communicating. So when I speak to big audiences, which happens quite a bit, my wife, who's a Broadway veteran, is like, I don't know, I can't even be with you backstage. It makes me too uncomfortable. But she can't (laughs) go on stage without five weeks of rehearsal. Like, we're going to do this. Yeah. And I have no idea what I'm going to say before I walk out on stage ever. And I usually just yeah. say a prayer. I wow. just say a prayer, something to the effect of God, I'm going to open my mouth and you talk. <laughs> and then the thing I, and it's really corny, but I, I, when I teach people how to public speak, I say, you, you know what your spiel is. You, if you have PowerPoint, you know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. You've got notes or whatever. But what I do is I say, before I look and I'll say, this is so corny, I'm embarrassed to say this. I say, audibly, I love you. So that when I walk on stage, what I'm saying to the audience is, we just met, but I already love you. That's awesome. That allows me to make mistakes and just be myself and stumble around. And that nonverbal communication gets received or it doesn't, but more often than not, it does. Mixer, we need to start doing that before we start recording each week. Now we should definitely do that. That's it. We'll try it this week. And see how it helps us. Yeah, we'll watch the screener and then we'll get on and then we'll say, "I love you." You do uh-huh. it back. Yeah, yep. and then then we'll just do twenty times better than we're already doing. Oh, Look, that's like, it. Just getting advice. I love it. I already regret <laughs> saying things that I've said that I'm going to be embarrassed about later. But... <laughs> no, okay. not at all. Watching watching back the season. Is there any singles that you wish that you could have had conversations with specifically? There's one I have in mind personally that (laughs) seems like she needs a lot of guidance. Is there anyone that you can think of that you're like, oh, I really would like to have talked to them? Well, I I actually, um, that's a good question that I haven't been asked before. Hey, look at us. Yes, number one, doing number one things. Let's go. We try. I really try to get on like to the villas early so that before things are set up, I can hang out a little bit. Oh, okay. but they don't want me hanging out because when I'm there, everything stops. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And I don't have favorites. Like every person there intrigues me. Yeah. In a different way. And I'd like to get to know them better. Uh huh. But I'd like to hear who it is you'd like to see that I was speaking <laughs> to. It's, it's Steven knows. It's Trace. I think Trace needs a lot of, a lot of guidance in, in her life right now. From what I'm seeing, obviously, we see a very specific small bit of this person. From what I'm seeing, it seems like she could really use a a Mr. Marky Mark sit down. (laughs) Well, let's just say that in the reunion, 
which is oh the yeah other oh okay okay I think things go a little sideways let's go okay let's go let's go you also care about these people and when they were on you care and you can't stop caring it's not something that you could just cut off I tell them when they show up I'm like look there may be many reasons why you came here. There's the one you say on camera, we have problems with our relationship and we're working it out. And then yeah. there's the truth, which is you want to get a blue check mark and some collabs. Yeah. Right? And I don't care. I said, because I'm buying what I'm selling. And regardless of what brought you here, it gets real and it gets ugly and it gets scary. And I'm, I am, I dare you to be as committed to your love relationship as I am to your <laughs> love relationship. And uh, and I've even said that in the bonfire. I'm working harder than you are in your journey. So step up, yo. It's clear sometimes who is there just going through the motions of this mm-hmm. and who is like actually there to do the work in in many ways. Does that Absolutely. I, I don't know. I, I feel like if it's me, that would upset me to see somebody just going through the motions of being like, Hey, I'm here, we've kind of made this deal of me and my partner. We actually broke up before this and whatever. Is that does that get to you at all? Or are you just like, hey, we're it doesn't matter because if that is what you were gonna do, we're gonna blast it all over television at the same time. So good luck to you. Well, no, that's too sur- surface. My take on it is this: in that scenario, that you fictitious scenario uh-huh. where I sense that somebody's like not taking seriously or whatever. Yeah. That, again, goes into my listening of that. So what is it about this that you're resisting? Mm. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so that attitude of pretending to be one thing and doing something else, where else does that show up for you? And what is the cost of that? Mm-hmm. Right. So, OK, you, you're trying to run a hustle. Right. OK. Yeah. I don't have a problem with a hustle. I've been hustling my whole life. But whether or not this is the relationship that you're going to live with forever or whether or not you even realize that you want to have something real, how does mm-hmm. that that approach serve you or not serve you? Mm. And and that's that's you know everything people do is real, um, but what's what's the motivation behind it? Like for instance, Kendall, right from uh, season three, I think. At one point, I had to get called down by the producers. To tell me to slow my roll a little bit before I went to the bonfire. Oh, really? Because I was going to say to him, look, dude, look, I don't, I'm not sex shaming anybody. You want to have a threesome, have a threesome. You want to have a twelvesome, you know, go do it. Yeah. You know, but I questioned, and I said it to him, but I didn't say it in the words I said backstage. <laughs> um, I said, I question where your heart is in this. Uh-huh. If you're looking for answers and this is your path to get there, I'm not one to judge that at all. Yeah. But if you're just trying to hook up, and have a month of a running, you know, running the thing. The phrase I said backstage is, "I'm not a pimp, and these aren't hoes." Mm. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, maybe you should back. I, I actually said, "I'm." <laughs> maybe that's a little. That's a little harsh. <laughs> what I said was, "I'm not a fucking pimp, and this is my island." Oh, okay. Well, I like that better. <laughs> and so they called me down a little bit, but then I said to him, "I'm like, I'm, I'm not getting from you." Like, I'm not feeling from you. I've said this to other people in other seasons. Real emotion. Yeah. So you're, you say one thing out of your mouth, but your behavior, to, I've said that to David on season two. You're saying one thing, but your behavior and your right. behavior, but your actions are something else. So I have to ask you about that gap. Right, right. And are you aware of it? 
Because they don't line up all the time, right? But nor do mine in my life. Mm. And that's where what that's look, one of the things I, I say to people is that when you're when you're going through transformational work, right? It's really great to look at the things that you do that are awesome. Yeah. Your ego's thrilled with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I say it's like um you're feeling really good about yourself in life and, and then all of a sudden you walk by and you're, you, you got, you're, maybe you're pulling some shade or something, but while you're in that moment, you happen to glance and a mirror caught you or somebody took a picture and you see what you were looking and being and you, you like throw up in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> well, that transformation, right? Uh-huh. That's the, the not so pretty part of having to look at your shit, mm-hmm. which is the thing that makes you make an audible sound on the couch. Like I mentioned on the show where you or reminded of an embarrassing moment. You're like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, unfortunately, sometimes I got to hold up the mirror. And we appreciate you holding a giant mirror to these people. Yeah, we do. But I also say to them, anything I'm saying to you, advice-wise, uh-huh. I have a sense that you showed up for me. Because anything I'm saying to you is what I needed to remind myself about. Yeah. Right? So if you've read any of my... My tweets that look like I'm trying to be a spiritual guru, that's literally me <laughs> suffering and saying, you know, everything's going to be okay, Mark. And uh-huh. then I tweet it out as though I'm telling you, but I'm really just trying to talk to me. Well, yeah, and, and that's helpful, too, is just putting it out there, you know, that helps as well. I think one of the strongest things in our, in our, our um, effort to uh, evolve is to be reminded that we're not alone. Like whatever yes. feeling we're having, depression, anxiety, fear, or hopelessness, that this these are very common things. And as soon as you say them out loud, someone yeah. else is there to say, you're not crazy. And then you suddenly feel a, a lot better, uh-huh. right? Absolutely, and yeah. L- luckily, I am I have been as depressed and anxious and crazy as anybody I'm going to meet. So I mm-hmm. can relate. I got you. You don't have to pretend to be something with me because I'm imperfect as they come. That's you know? why you're so good at this. Yeah. Oh, stop it. But thank you. I have a question for you. This is something that Stephen and I have argued about and our audience has argued about. We've actually, we put a poll up on Twitter and we put up a poll in our Facebook and they were contradictory answers. So I want to hear it from you. Okay. Is Temptation Island a break or is it an experiment? Or if it's not either of those, what would you classify it as? Well, let's define it. So a break to me sounds like a hall pass. Yes. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Which, in my opinion, is like um, like the fantasy of a threesome and the actual of a threesome. Mm-hmm. Not as good in real life. Yeah. The hall pass. <laughs> Too many moving pass, pieces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the hall, well, there's that. Um, like, what do I do with my hands? I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Uh, I know where they normally go, but there's two <laughs> sets of things to do now. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, but there's so many options. I just don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to put them in my pocket. <laughs> I'm just going to stand here. Yeah. <laughs> so a break to me, I always say it this way, is like, I think there's a, a part of people who come on the island that think it's like, I, I, I tell people that, you know, the rules are bullshit. I said, I can make a rule saying you can't leave the couch. And if I'm a 12-year-old, I'm going to slide the couch to the backyard and say, I didn't leave the couch, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's what a break is. It's a hall yeah. pass. It's not real. Yeah. An experiment may be lofty for a reality show. Okay. 
because it is TV and it's extreme and it's crazy. Yeah. But experience is a good phrase because anything is an experience that can either inform you and empower you or break you down and disempower you. Yeah. So as nuts as the show is, and I like to jokingly in, in private, but I'm going to say it in public, say it looks like porn and feels like Oprah. Wow. What a beautiful way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. Um, I say that, look, let's call it an experiment. But then we could talk about, is it a wise experiment? Is this a scientific mm -hmm. experiment? Is it a bullshit experiment? So yeah. there, what I'm saying is everything, Robbie says, what happens to you happens for you. And then I roll my eyes at her and then I say it. <laughs> you repeat it. <laughs> you say it a few months later. Yep. But that is really strong because everything you get to choose, is this something I can learn from? Yeah. If, I, if I'm brave enough to look at how it applies to me? Or is it something that happened to me and I'm a victim of, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say it's not a hall pass because mm -hmm. a hall pass would mean that you're, in my case, if it were me, my girlfriend said, go fuck around all you want. And when you come back with the final bonfire, we won't talk about it. Yeah. And it's fine and dandy. Yeah. That's not true. Uh -huh. That's why open marriages or something. I'm like, I don't see that working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Because it haunts you. It would haunt you. Absolutely. You know what you don't know. Yeah. Some people. But I'm mm -hmm. not saying it doesn't work for some. You know, if you can. Absolutely. Fully detach. But I would have to say it's not a hall pass. Okay. It's not. A, it's not a break. It's not a break. What would you say to people that say it's just an excuse to allow people to cheat while they're still in a relationship? I would say more accurately, it is a. It could be all of that. Mm -hmm. Again, I, yeah. I'm a game show host. I don't have any idea. Um, <laughs> Keep it open-ended. But it could also be that being real and intimate one-on-one -on -one uh -huh. is scary for most of us. Right? Yeah. But being forced to be intimate because I appeared on a show and they made me do stuff I didn't want to do and this is how it went down mm -hmm. is subconsciously you putting yourself in harm's way to force yourself to do something. Yep. Right. I'm on board with that one. Mm -hmm. You feel that? I'm totally on board with that one. Absolutely. Because yeah. th there are people that we see that I'm like, you don't want to be with your partner anymore. And now you're coming on here. And it's just like, but it seems like they've already broken up. That's our argument that we've had. Let's support mm -hmm. them in this way. What is apparent to you and me, yeah. May not be apparent to them. So it yeah. becomes malicious if I don't want to be with my girlfriend and I create a ruse, which is I'm going to go on this island and ultimately we'll break up. Right? Yes. Yes. But I think it really lays either if it's conscious, it's barely conscious and mostly subconscious. We don't know what the problem is. I want it to work out. And what I haven't done is grown enough to take responsibility for my side of the street. I, I can't even define it that way. So mm. it's just not working. And then we go through this process that we thought was a good idea. And then we, we've grown apart. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, and, and then in the worst case scenarios, like in a narcissistic relationship, the narcissist will make you think you're crazy until you break up with them. Yep. Right. Yeah. So there's the, all those shades. Mm -hmm. But I think from an honest and, and forgiving place, a lot of times it's I don't even know that I'm unhappy. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that I'm discontent or I have turned a blind eye to what is not working. 
And in the case of LaSalle's and Ashley, they've, they're together for seven years and they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. in the case of a lot of young women that I talked to is that they, you go to college and then you, you got a, your list and your timeline. And yep. it's much easier to go to weddings with a date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's much easier to do things socially with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Totally. And yep. so you acquiesce to the things you thought were important because you've never had the the guidance or the bravery to look at what really is important, even if it's not what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you discover you don't want to be in a relationship at all? You, you're going to be single. Well, that goes against everything you thought you wanted in your future. Yeah. You were right. going to be married by this time and kids by this time and money by this time. And, and I hate to tell you guys that I'm still waiting for my first million that I was going to make by the time I was 25. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just shit does not fit in boxes. Yeah, it doesn't. It, you know? I think that's the that's the worst thing about I think college and like leaving le- leaving high school is you've been trained all your life. This is what you need to do. You need mm-hmm. to do these classes and you pass this test. You go to the next thing. And at the end of college, people just expect there's going to be like a little book or a manual that goes, all right, you follow these steps next. But there's not. You just go, go. Mm-hmm. Even more so, the concept of if I do this, then this will happen. Yes. yes. It just, I have not found that it work that way. works like that. Mm-hmm. For it. For instance, it shouldn't be a show that got canceled 20 years ago comes back out of the blue when you, like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh-huh. So there's a quote I use all the time. This is where I lose all of your listeners and the two of you right now. <laughs> oh, I'm dialed in. Look at this. We're <laughs> dialed in. There's, there's a quote from Hamlet that I use at every talk I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I've never read or seen Hamlet all the way through. Okay. <laughs> Big Hamlet fan. Call him bullshit on myself. But the- <laughs> But the quote that I'm sure I will misquote is, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And what that means to, that, my head just went kaboom when I heard this. What it means yeah. to me is, my wildest imaginations of a, if I do this, then this will happen. Uh-huh. Like, as far as I can allow my mind to dream of a possibility isn't even close to what actually could transpire if you didn't plan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you get real and authentic and be that, it's like the universe is waiting to bestow upon you an outcome that you had never possibly thought of, including a show you yeah. did 20 years ago coming out of the blue and you get to go to Hawaii with your <laughs> wife and get paid. Right? That just doesn't fucking happen. Sounds pretty good to me. And then, and so then I had to do some historical science there and look at my own life and say, how many things that have happened in my life that were awesome fell in place the way I thought they should? And how many mm-hmm. times did things happen the way they should in my mind? And the fact of the matter is very few times was it audition, callback job, or, or yeah. I did this work, therefore I got this fruit. Most of the time it was like, there's no rhyme or reason. No. And sometimes it comes out of the worst things in your life. The bad things lead to the best things. Yeah. If And if we were to embrace that philosophy even further, then we would go back to there is no such thing as the worst thing in your life. Mm. Because if you knew the other end of it, you'd say that, well, this was the necessary step for this incredible thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And the more you lean into that, the more those things become incredible as opposed to shitty. I know I've gone way too deep. I mean, I feel like we're in a bonfire right now. I feel like I feel like we're right in it. We're we're right in it. You know, we're learning. We're going through it. We're, we're there. So let's talk about the hurricane you sat through last week. Yes. 
Jesus Christ. The camera was like shaking as if the earth was about to erupt. And you're just just dialed in. You're just right in the pocket. You were unfazed. Weather. Toy. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> My hair is sprayed so tight that nothing's going to move it anyway. <laughs> right? And uh, the rain's not going to hurt me, you know? No. And uh, Just the gear. Even when that starts to happen sometimes, and it has happened many times, they may want to stop tape or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, don't stop. Rain is real. Wind is real. Yeah. Just, I don't care about that part. I don't care what we look like. But, um, you know, that's funny that you said that. I actually laughed at your tweet about the Category 5 hurricane. It was hysterical. I know how big those cameras are. The fact that they were shaking like that, that had to have been some crazy wind. Yeah, I I don't even remember. (laughs) Because, you know, what I'm doing is I'm sitting, there are these long periods of awkward silence where they don't want us to talk. And I'm sitting on my box. Which has mm-hmm. no cushion, by the way. I've noticed that. Can we get him a cushion? Why are we getting him a cushion? Look, we just got to where I don't have to get up and touch the iPad. Well, that's where I was gonna. I was gonna get to the iPad. Can we get a bigger iPad, please? I think. I think we did. This season is great. We've got a whole screen. And I don't have to touch it. It is. It's bigger, but it's also like, like if it's me, how far are they away from the iPad? They seem like a good eight to ten feet. Yeah, it's fair. That's that's a long ways. And I'm kind of far from them, too, which every year they assure me it's the same exact distance as it was. And I'm like, it feels too far. Lies. I want to sit in their Lies. laps. I want to sit yeah. with them next to them and hold their hands while we talk. You got right up in Ashley's face last week. I I got frustrated. You got frustrated. Thank God. We were just sitting here yelling at our screens. <laughs> My daughter called me and said, Daddy, Daddy got a little shitty last week. <laughs> We loved every second of it. I was like, thank God. He is right there with us. And we're like, he just needs to go. Like, we had, we asked people for questions. One person asked, um, how did you not slap LaSalle's every time he opened his mouth? And, And like, we understand you would not do that. But are there moments where you have to, like, bite your tongue during this? I don't bite my tongue, and you see it on the air. I mean, yeah. if, I, if I'm not getting it, I yell at them. Yeah. And I, I tell them at the beginning of this, I'm like, look, you know, I really am honored that you're coming here. Because now they come to the island like, come on, Mark, get into me. I want mm-hmm. it. And yeah. I'm like, you, you really don't, but okay. <laughs> you don't want the smoke. You can't handle this heat. You can't handle the smoke, yo. You're not about that life, player. <laughs> But uh, what happens is I'll even say to them, look, I even Kendall, I, three, uh, two seasons ago, I said, look, mm-hmm. I got to come at you. I got to push yeah. back. I got to. But this is the thing I was talking about earlier about listening. If you're being real and you're the place you're coming from is an intention of love, mm-hmm. then you can say the real stuff that's harsh. And by the way, when you don't say the real stuff, you're basically saying, I don't respect you enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I have respect for LaSalle's. Mm-hmm. And anybody who doesn't needs to look at themselves five years ago and what they've learned. Mm-hmm. All yeah. I'm saying is LaSalle's is really powerful in many areas of his life. Maybe not so much in this area. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe he, and, and, and maybe it's the cynic in me could say, maybe it's all a lie. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's 
all he's learned of his capacity. Mm-hmm. And I've said to him many times, look, you have to constantly redefine. When you fall in love in sixth grade, it's like, I'm in love. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, by lunch, you're not in love anymore. Uh-huh. And then you fall in love in high school and you get broken up with and it hurts really bad. And you go, like, wait, so that's what love feels like. And then it gets even down the line. You're constantly redefining what love means. For me, I love you is a prayer. Like it's really sacred. But when I was 19, I loved a lot of people all the time, right? Yeah, uh-huh, absolutely. And I thought I was being real. Mm. So I can have a moment with the cells and go, dude, what are, what are you doing without it being, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's our job. Because you're not an idiot. You're not an idiot. You're just, you're just got some stuff to learn, I guess. You know? And I would say that's the one thing that me and Mixie have discussed on the podcast is we understand as a viewer at home, we're only getting certain segments of edited material that we know the beginning. You guys know the beginning, middle of end and you're and you're crafting the story. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that uh, we say we would like more is a little bit more at the beginning of finding how these people got here. Because we get like a six, seven minute package maybe on each. Yeah, I know. But even that loses an audience. And I agree with you. I I wouldn't mind. Look. Maybe episode zero. I know they've been doing that on the other show we recap. The challenge, like a get to meet. I wouldn't mind going to visit them. Oh. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Which I can't believe I just said because I'm always arguing um, when we do a bonfire, I literally go to the producers and I say, less of me, much less. Of me. <laughs> and when they send rough cuts, which I never watch, uh, uh-huh. you know, after we're off the island, we come back and they send me a few episodes uh, that are rough cuts. I have a hard time watching them. And I call them back and I said, you really think you need that much bonfire? Can we cut this down? <laughs> that being yeah. said, I personally would love, but see, the problem is. I was going to say, I'd love to go visit them in their home, see them with one another and talk to them yeah. separately uh-huh. uh, myself. But the problem is we might resolve something right there and they never come to the island. And then they wouldn't come. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and again, less of me is probably better for everybody. Maybe work it in like Lost Lost did. You have these little flashbacks and we can see yeah. the things, you know, and they just go back. You have a little sound effect. And then in the final bonfire, we, we just say that everybody's dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or are they? <laughs> or it's a dream. Uh, were they dead the whole time? Just a little while? Is it purgatory? Portal to another planet? I don't know. Truman Show. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Where I go behind the bonfire and just kind of break the fake set. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're actually in a soundstage. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We did yeah. have a question from a follower. They were asking, is there more on the growing side of things that we aren't seeing? Because what we really see is like 90% just like partying, making out, all of that. Is there actual real change going on? Um, or, you know, are, is it kind of like fluffed up a little bit? The answer is yes to both of those things. Okay. Uh, um, like the bonfires that you'll see will be six minutes or whatever. Yeah. Right. But I'll sit with the four girls for an hour and a half. Yeah. Wow. And those conversations to get to the bite that you see, sometimes we are going around and in and out and things are coming up. And, you know, so I notice I I'm buying everything. Like I'm buying it. 
Yeah. They may not be, right? Uh-huh. So for me, uh, I see them when they come to the island. I see them when they leave. And for me, there's a, there's a change. Not all of them yeah. and not all in a great degree, but often with some of the women, like I think of, um, uh, I think of um, Erica, who was dating Kendall. Mm-hmm. Like who she was when I met her and who she was when I left was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Kate in season two, who was dating David, um, you know, she became this really strong woman. Then she reverted back to being like, you know, just weak at the reunion. And then she became, by the way, in love and doing great right now. So, great. you know, I see growth all the time. I think viewers might get bored if we just did that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Totally. Then it's Dr. Phil and uh-huh. we, we need to see in anything but clothes part. A lot less porn, a lot more Oprah. If you do it like concentrate, I think the Oprah stuff, you mix with water and a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. And porn, we have a. You need a lot of it. Yeah, they want the people can't get enough of that. No, it's, it's definitely you know, more beer. What what difference do you have approach wise between like the normal bonfires and then the final bonfire? Well, final bonfires are, are relatively a breeze for me. They're not a breeze because I'm uptight. Okay. The, the bonfires, not the final bonfires, the regular bonfires are a conversation with them and me. Yeah. The final bonfires is a conversation with them with each other. So there's a lot of me just sitting and listening. Mm hmm. Um, where it becomes something for me is if I know what they want to communicate and in the moment they balk or if their conversation starts going in circles and they're not really getting to a point. So the final bonfires for me are more of a traffic cop situation where before I say, before we, because again, I've got the booth in my head as well, before I say, okay, it's time to leave the island, Literally, there have been times on my own where I'm like, I'm not buying this. Why don't you try again? Yeah. You know, I did it with Nicole and Carl in season one, where I knew where she was at going into the final bonfire. And then she basically said, you know, let's go home and figure this out. And then she walked away. And as they're walking away, I said, hold on, you guys. You know, I feel like um, if this is what you decide to do, ultimately, great. But, Nicole, I don't feel like you've been totally honest and brave for yourself. So I'd like you to sit down and try this again. Um, And they ended up leaving alone, if I remember correctly. Uh Uh-huh. And then they got back together and lived together for quite some time happily. And only recently, I understand, are not together. But she's happy. He's happy. Everybody's happy. But So the final bonfires are different for me in that I'm listening to them and giving them the space to really have these moments and those moments are really awkward and they take a long time. And sometimes they're not as um, the, the people aren't as um, clear because mm-hmm. it gets emotional. And if I can help them get to their point or stop them from going around in circles too much, uh, you know, that's a more traffic copy, I think. Okay. Not, not a lot of, not a lot of, not a lot of coaching or teaching going on. That makes sense. Yeah, at that at that point, it's for them. They, you know, it's like with any workshop you do. At the beginning, it's heavy handed. By the end, you kind of got to give them respect for what they want. Are you still surprised by the by the choices at the end? Now, are, are are you able to, by the time it gets to let's say this season's final bonfire, 
are you pretty sure that you know how things are going to go and who's going to pick who, if they're going to stay together, they're going to leave? Well, you know, by the time we get the final bonfire, each individual has probably expressed to their producer what they hope to do. Okay. And I, and I know that. Oh, okay. I know that information. But that being said, there are many times where the producers and I have looked at each other and they said, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen. here. So if it goes this way, blah, blah, blah. If it goes that way, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, there have been surprises. And I'm not predisposed for any outcome. And I say that to them when they come to the island. I said, look, I'm, I'm so happy to meet all four couples. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goal is for you to leave the island in a better place than when you came. Yeah. But my goal is for all eight of you to leave the island in a better place than when you came, not mm-hmm. all four couples. I look at you as individuals now. Yeah. And then this year, I said at the final dinner, I'm like, you know, you realize you've already broken up. And they're like, what? I'm like, because who you will be at the final bonfire are not the people that are in this relationship. Right now. Totally. You're going to give yourself space to grow separately. And you, mm-hmm. you will see each other again. You'll either be in love with that person or you will have realized that it was distant. Yeah. And then you're not down. So, Can you tell us anything about the final? Obviously, you know, because you lived it. Are we in for a treat? Are we in for a, a doozy? I think all of these are a doozy. If you're in the show at this point, it's a doozy because them seeing each other again. Mm. I, I, the Like Edgar and Jillian, that final bonfire is really interesting. I, I find them interesting. I find him interesting. Yeah. Uh, her too. Um, LaSalle's and Ashley. I mean... That's been a train wreck from the beginning. (laughs) It's a train wreck of LaSalle declaring his love and actually not reacting. Yeah. And I'm like, what what the fuck? Yeah. What what the fuck? You and us. All of us are thinking the same thing. I'm like, LaSalle, you just told Trace you want her to be your future wife. And then the next breath, you're like, yeah, but uh, I still love Ashley. I'm like, Mm -hmm. and then I ask him, are you in love or are you... you have love or are you in love? And then he said, yep. well, I have love for her. I'm in love for her. Oh, I love that. I love that moment last week. I was like, thank God somebody's saying it. Does he know the difference? <laughs> I loved his response. Like, oh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what you just said. Yeah, that's, yeah, me and that. Yeah, that guy. Uh-huh. So, I, you listen, I think the final bonfires are, you know, you, you got to have that. Or we were just left with like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, I find it fascinating uh, to see them relate to one another. And in the best case scenarios, when they have both learned stuff and share stuff uh, that they were unable to do yeah. when they came to the island, that's when I kind of become choked up and proud Papa. Um, <laughs> and then when they start just throwing the same bullshit at each other, I kind of like, come on, guys. You know, we've yeah. Uh-huh. So we said when we originally reached out, which we didn't think would get to, when we tweeted, we needed some advice. So we're going to ask our own advice now to you. Okay. And we would like just your, you know, we've learned so much during this experience that we feel you're going to have the the most perfect answers ever created on the face of the earth for us. So, Except, as I told you before, I'm just a game show host. So just that caveat. Uh, that's right. Well, it's kind of a game. We so. are we are kind of we're testing your non-relationship advice because these are oh. not relationship questions, but questions that Stephen and I personally struggle with daily or weekly that we would just love your help with. And I would love to help end any struggle for you so that your days are happier. Oh, amazing. Thank God. So let's do it. Okay. I'll go first. <laughs> I go and I grab Chipotle. I eat some of it and leave it on the coffee table next to me as I'm doing other things. 
Some time passes. What is the acceptable amount of time to eat Chipotle after it's been sitting out? This rings very true in my soul. Okay, good. My brother-in-law, brother-in-law and I will walk into 7-Eleven, mm-hmm. uh, as we want to do, and buy a drink. Like, I might buy a Yoo-Hoo. He might buy a Yoo-Hoo. Uh-huh, yeah. Very interesting selection of drinks, but I, I, I like it. I like it. I, I would say that if we had to acquiesce to only one drink. It's Yoo-Hoo. In the planet, it should be Yoo-Hoo. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I take. I like it. This is my thing. I will throw mine out as we're walking out the door because I finished it. And six hours later, he'll still be sipping this warm, corroded version of Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> no. 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 Unacceptable. That's milk. That's slightly different in my mind. But yeah, go ahead. It's whey, first of all. Not milk. Oh, okay. Sorry. So sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not chocolate milk. Let's give me... Do not disparage I'm so sorry. the mysterious <laughs> concoction that is Yoo-Hoo that no one really knows what it is. Um, as far as uh, the, what you're asking is the statute of limitation on yes. a Chipotle yes. uh, burrito bowl on your table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I say if you have to break the beans, mm. it's too long. Okay. So if it's like it's like getting hard and, and congealed, more connected. Okay. If you have to like break apart the rice and stuff. That said, my son and I have, and I'm not proud of this, <laughs> have pulled the Taco Bell bag out of the garbage where the extra burritos were that we didn't eat the next morning and eaten those. So I don't judge that. I See, I'm... That's more like naked and afraid survival is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it takes me like all day to eat a Chipotle bowl. So. You do you, sugar. You do you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's what I needed to hear. Let your boyfriend know. I will. It's been settled. Yep. It's been settled now. Uh huh. You can eat it whenever. I almost went to Temptation Island with my boyfriend over this specific thing, so now we don't have to go. So thank you. <laughs> Keep your opinions out of her burrito bowl. Thank you. Thank God. He's an ally. He's an ally, everybody. An ally. Your bowl, your choice. Yes. Thank you so much. We've been saying it for years. <laughs> that's right. Whether constitutional or not. I support you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. My food one is Sundays. Mm-hmm. I know I should cook breakfast at home. I know I should cook breakfast at home. First of all, I hate the word should, but let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I really want a sausage McMuffin with egg. Who doesn't? Mm. Who doesn't? Yeah. What you're talking about is the innate guilt of having a refrigerator full of food yes. and still postmating something. I'll go get it. I don't. I don't like the Postmates. Wow. I know so much better. Uh, Postmates. Not me. I'll never leave the home again. Same. I'd rather eat lukewarm food that I've overpaid for. Uh huh. That I could have made here. Yeah. Yep. Left on my doorstep. Absolutely. <laughs> my answer to you would be somewhat Marie Kondo ish. Mm. Does it bring me joy? If the sausage McMuffin brings you joy. <laughs> <laughs> Always does. Then drive your ass to McDonald's before 1030. I love these answers. Yes. The fact that that all day breakfast went away really screws up my schedule. What that basically is, is uh, evil enabling of behavior mm. by McDonald's. Yeah. You're so yeah. right. So how? what you may ask me is, how do I make a shift to a more responsible way of being? Yes, that, that, that's what I was thinking. And then I would say to you, 
Rather than it's about your relationship to the cooking. Mm. Okay. Rather than looking at this as a chore you have to do to get to the good part, which is the eating of it. Yes, that's true. Change the relationship that the process itself is the enjoyment. Wow. Jesus I Christ. I knew this was going to be this good. This is great. We should have just done all these. That being said, I will leave shit cooking on the stove to go get the sausage McMuffin. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's something about it's really good. the toxins and McDonald's that taste delicious. Have nothing you like had... those microplastics. Yeah. Mm. Have you had the steak, egg, and cheese bagel? There are certain things that I believe um, we've gone too far with. Um, steak, egg, and cheese, that's all good. Burrito or English muffin or even a toasted bread. But the bagel, and, and don't get me started on blueberry cream cheese and strawberry cream cheese and all that bullshit. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's cream cheese or it's not. Yeah, you can do chive. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll buy chive, but don't start with the. That's like putting sugar on your grits. They're, wow. That is that is a uh, southern take. That is a big time. Come How on. about hot sauce? Is hot sauce okay in grits? On everything. Okay. Absolutely. Is that even up for a debate? What type of what type of hot sauce are we going with? Standby. Okay. Oh, it, we'll we'll narrate right now. He is going to his fridge. He is getting said bottle of hot sauce. I'm thinking he's got like a Texas Pete's. Oh, he's he's grabbing multiple. I can hear all. If he's got something from um the Hot Wings show, if he's got like the da bomb in there. Oh. I got Texas Pete. Texas Pete! I called it! I said Texas Pete! Texas Pete. Uh, okay. This one, this is some weird one. Perry Perry. Uh, this is Red Rooster. Red Ooh. Rooster. Okay. It's very similar to Texas Pete. This is the go-to Tabasco. Cholula, uh, uh-huh. Tapatio, they're all in here as well. Yeah. Cholula's a, uh, got my heart. It, I'm it, a Cholula gal. It's like wine. You have to pair them correctly. I it agree. is true. That is true. And, I agree. But if you you're have sriracha, sauce. I have sriracha, but that's okay. Too but that's different. Me. I agree. That's, that's hipster sauce. Um, okay. If you have to pick one, go to. If you're on an island, you only get to bring one hot sauce, uh-huh. which Frank's I assume you do. Frank's Red Hot. Okay. Yeah, that's the only one. Put that's that shit on everything. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I have one more, and then Stephen has one more. By the way, it's the only thing I have a definitive answer on. I love that. I love that. I have an opinion about hot sauce. Don't (laughs) fuck with me when it comes to hot sauce. We should. We need to get you on hot ones. Yeah, I'd be down. I make my own wings. Oh, amazing! Yeah, what can't you do? (laughs) I. You know what? We live in a time where that's no longer a thing, because this is what I've discovered. If you can Uh do. If you know the basic tools, yeah, and you have YouTube, you uh-huh. have no excuse. No, I built half the things in my house. They're gonna fall apart at any moment, <laughs> but you have no excuse. And you so. could YouTube how to fix it once it does break. And I have. I'm quite handy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Okay, I go out with some friends. I'm I'm pretty drunk. My friends order a round of shots. Come on. I don't want to take the shot. Come on. I don't want to take it at all. Right. What do I do? Before you answer, I'm going to tell you what I normally do. It's fantastic. Which is I fake taking the shot and pour it on the ground. I was about to say, you want me to tell you what you do? (laughs) This is what you do. Shots. 
Yeah, that's what she does. That's yeah, that's exactly what I do. No shame in that. I've been doing it for years. Throw it over your shoulder. And everybody around me is like, yeah, we took those shots. <laughs> if that makes you save face, if your ego is satisfied with your friends thinking that you're an alcoholic <laughs> in a positive way. Yes. But you, yeah. But your your true self has protected yourself from later growing up. Uh-huh. I support you 100%. Okay. Thank you. Love so we're, we're cool with tossing it on the ground. There's another level that I don't expect you to get to in this lifetime, which is thank you, your friend. Thank you, friends. But I choose not to have this shot right now. Mm. Okay, so you're right. I should be able to do that, and I haven't been able to. <laughs> now, my son is a Navy pilot, and over Thanksgiving, uh-huh. we went and spent Thanksgiving at his house with his fiance and all of his friends. And all of his pilot friends are Temptation Island fans, so they all wanted to go out drinking with me, and we did. Oh. And uh, I didn't throw them over my shoulder. Oh, you should have. And these guys know how to do this. Oh, yeah. And I am not a big drinker. So we were putting the shot inside each shot glass and the other. And mine looked like a Dr. Seuss tower, like you see in the drawings. You yeah. know, like uh-huh. And I'm having a blast. And this is why I love my wife. I mean, I'm just raging. I mean, I had maybe <laughs> nine shots of Jameson. Oh. And. Wow. My wife at some point smiling and laughing. She's sober. Remember, she's been sober for 38 some odd mm-hmm. years. Yeah. In a bar with us, chill. She just leans over, puts her arm around me. And she says, honey, this is not a good look for you. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Over. Uh, that's uh, such a big time uh, wife so move. Funny. I love it. Isn't that great? Always looking out. This isn't a good look for you. Wow. Yeah, good look, honey. Good the look. new move I'm starting to try to do is offer my shot to the bartender. Sort of a Japanese sushi bar move. Yes. Mm. Kind of kind of reverse Uno on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. I like That's it. my new go to. Yeah. Yeah. Those goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I think that you are living right. Okay, thank you. I have another one that I've thought of before I, 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 the last one that we get to here. Okay. If I want to watch a show, but my significant other does not want to watch the show. This is a direct attack. Continue. Should I then leave the main seating area, the living room where we are, to go watch the show that I want to watch in the other room, or do we need to watch a show together? Together that we both decide and I kind of give in. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll watch this one, but I really want to watch the other one. This is complex and I want to handle this with the love and care that this deserves. Thank you. So from a philosophical standpoint, Uh I found in my marriage and in my life with my children and my friends, the shorter the list of things I have an opinion about, the happier I am. Hmm. Okay. So the muscle of letting go and acceptance actually makes me happier as opposed to the anger of the child not getting what I want. Mm. Not not to get real deep on this. For the sake of my marriage, we have shows that we watch together, almost all. Uh And before we watch a show without being together, we must approve it. With each other? Okay. Yeah, I haven't watched the first episode of Barry. Great show. Uh, because Robbie doesn't want to catch up, even though I know she doesn't like the show. Oh, that's interesting. Great show. But so, so I will say to her, I'd like to watch this episode of this series, and if she's not into it, then I'll watch it when she's not. 
uh-huh. but it has to be pre-approved. Okay. Uh, God forbid somebody goes three episodes further down Shit's Creek than than I am, and then we've got a problem. Yeah. Now, simultaneous airing, Warriors are playing at the same time the Sondheim retrospective is on. Oh wow! I'm gonna watch the I'll watch the Warriors in the other room. Got it. Okay. Got it. So you will leave the main viewing area maybe for the the the, the lesser TV, if you will, in order to okay, understood. Because the end game is a happy house. Yes, <laughs> correct. This man knows. <laughs> and she and she has done the same for me. Let me just let you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. That I can only watch so much Hamilton. Mm. I, yeah. I've seen it. We're done. Or interviews with Lynn Manuel that my wife calls only calls him Lynn like they're friends. <laughs> so she understands that my capacity may be full there, and she will go in the other. One. The big time mixy move right there. Not a not a Broadway girl. No, you're not a Broadway girl. Got blacked out at Phantom of the Opera. I decided to play a game right. where I just drank every time I didn't understand what was going on. I don't remember leaving. See, you know, throwing the shots over the shoulder and brought. Yeah, see, I wasn't doing it then. I should have. <laughs> I actually am a Broadway lover as well. So most of the things she wants to watch, I'll watch with her. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to watch them five times. Yeah. No, yeah. You yeah. see it once. You got the you got the gist. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> that said, I did watch the entire Spring Awakening uh, reunion special that aired on a. Oh wow! I got forty-five yeah. minutes through it, and I was like, "I'm out! Yeah. I'm out!" I kind of dug it. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> I liked it at the beginning, and then I'm just like, "We got it, guys! This doesn't need to be this long. You're on HBO. Like, I understand the concept of what you're trying to do, but we can tighten this up. We can tighten this up. Don't you understand that teenage angst most?" preferably expressed through music. Duh. You must sing about your feelings. Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. The last piece of advice I need. is the last piece of advice you've, you've identified that you need. Yeah. We'll hit you up in a couple hours with more. Yeah. yeah okay. Tons of stuff. <laughs> Let's continue. Work related. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hot, hot debate on the, on the podcast from the inception of the podcast three or four years ago. So yes. I really like this girl. Hmm. But the only issue is she hates pineapple on pizza, thinks it's a sin, basically. And I like it. I don't think it's a sin. Should I stick with her? Well, this is tough because I want to I want to support you. You don't like pineapple on pizza, do you? It is a sin. (laughs) The fruit fruit does not belong on savory. When's Rarely. the last time Rarely. you had it, Mark? All right. Let me just be honest that I've had this discussion recently. Oh, and, okay. Uh, because I was on tour with Price is Right Live and we're on the, uh, on the bus and we have to share food and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I will say this. I have always said pineapple on pizza is a sin. Mm-hmm. And yet every time I've had it, I've thought, this is pretty delicious. See? See that's I'm where totally I'm at. I totally agree with you. I think you should... Let this not be an issue with the girl that you love. Okay. And secretly, just see, if you love something, let it go. So what you do is you acknowledge that it's a sin. And then you say, but I'm a sinner. Mm. And and I will not force this upon you. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to eat my pineapple pizza. And then she's going to taste it. Mm. (laughs) There you go. Okay. You can't say you're wrong. Let me mansplain to you pizza. You could say, I respect 
your choice. And if it's okay with you and doesn't offend you, I'd like to have this as yeah. my choice. And then she will join you because you've made a space for that. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. What a way to end this podcast. Mark, thank you so much for meeting Oh, with by us. the way, your listeners ended much sooner than this. No, no. They... Oh, they're diehard. They'll be here. They'll be tweeting at you about your pineapple on pizza takes. You'll hear from them. We'll, we'll send you the <laughs> clips from inside the thing. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate that. What I would like to do is I'm going to try to I'm going to try to play this video. I'm going to I'm going to put it on the screen. You just mentioned Price is Right Live, which mm. I mean, please check the tour dates, because if you get yes. the experience I got on the big show, you were on the big show. You went to the majors. I, I yeah. went for the big show. I, I sat outside. I camped out. Um, mm. Worth it. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> this is a man who eats pineapple on his pizza, so take that. Yeah, I know. Everybody, everybody, great assault. <laughs> yeah. I would like you to rent, like give me, at a, at a scale of one to ten, Yes. my, my coming down to contestants row. Oh, rate your come on down? Yeah, I would like okay. you to rate it. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna play here. We're 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 using some weird technology. Let's see if we can do this. Can you handle the smoke? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We got called down. Let's see. Oh wow! Oh huh? oh. Uh huh. Oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Wait for it. Wait for it. Boom! Big high five. Oh. Oh, hell yes. Oh, wow. Hell yes. I got a hell yes. <laughs> now, I had a shirt. I had a shirt that required some participation. And I had a marker in the pocket for Drew to check off that I have completed my checklist. So I, I'm going to give you a nine out of ten. I appreciate oh, wow. that. <laughs> Big numbers. But I don't This is not like one of those. Beauty pageants where the judges give you an arbitrary thing. I, this is scientific. I'm going to give you the nine out of ten. Okay, good. Um, well, what happened here was a athletic level of enthusiasm. Come on down. Thank you. <laughs> with high fives that could be actionable in a court of law as assault. That is true. Very true. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you get to contestants row and do the ultimate payoff of I can't believe this happened. Hand yep. on the head. The, oh my god. That's, yep. That makes yeah. us love you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then the bucket list moment of the signing of the shirt and being prepared for that. We love that. Yes. So I'm going to give you nine out of 10 only because there's possibly a broken finger by a, a audience member that didn't need to have that. <laughs> but all in all. So he, you deduct points for the aggression? Only because it's. There's a victim in that crime. Mm. Yes, that's true. You know, that's that true. That person two was trying to support you and now yes. is in a sling. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I'd have to give it, you know, you know, big thumbs up on that. Nine out of ten. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a big day for me. What a big day for me. I ended up, it, it, can, I, can I tell you, I'm going to try to get the extra point by telling you I was second to the last to get called up. The first thing was a fridge. You could have asked me my name at that point, and I would have told you, Michael, you don't know anything happening that first go. Right. And the second thing was two pieces of art, just subjective all over That's the place. Tough. And then I was dollared. I was dollared on the art. Oh, 
What what position were you in? Yeah. I did like third. I did like twelve hundred, and they went twelve oh one, and that person won. Oh. Uh. And they were wearing an Ohio State jacket, which made me just hate them that much more. What I'm hearing is that um, the experience left you feeling less than. Oh, it did. Mm. Yeah, it it was only 14 years ago, and I'm still feeling enraged by the. What moment. did you What did you see in that clip, Stephen? <laughs> what did you see? I told you what I saw. Let me just say this to you, so that you can feel good, Stephen. Contestants Road does not define you. Mm. Beautiful. Okay, Drew Carey is not your boss. Mm. Maybe one day. <laughs> one day. Monday. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Well, thank oh, you, thank you for uh, making some time for us, sir. We really appreciate it. This was a blast. Apparently, I have absolutely nothing to do because I'm just happy as a clam sitting here in my kitchen. Hey, uh, we we had a blast. This was so much fun. I got my hot sauce right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna let me just do a shameless plug. It looks like I'm gonna do a podcast too. Go ahead. I think I'm gonna do a podcast. I love it. Do it. Yeah, it's going to happen, and I'm trying to get it up and running within a month of the last episode of Temptation Island. Um, and I don't have a name for it yet, And but what it is, will be is, you know, some relationship talk and life talk and kind of what we've been doing. Um, and uh, I'd appreciate, uh, you know, the support of your guys and, you know, if that's can we cross pollinate? Do podcasts do that? Are we absolutely? We could do that. We'll do it yeah. with you. I'll make sure to shout you guys out on my podcast. And both of my listeners oh. will be happy to hear about yours. All two of them. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> that's what that's what my head tells me is that I'm going to podcast into a vacuum of silence. Oh but, no, you'll have a ton of people. I, I'm telling you, the amount of people that listen to our podcast that wanted to get advice from you was astronomical. So you're going to get a ton of people. I think it would be an awesome podcast. To your listeners, uh, I say thank you. Ser- seriously, I say thank you. And to the two of you, I say thank you. Your support of the show has been insane. And you, I, I love your tweets. I love the, the uh, <laughs> stuff you're putting out there. I've really enjoyed it. That's why I finally, I think I tweeted at some point, okay, you guys, I'm in. Yeah, you I, did. I, and it uh, made our day. It was a great tweet. I couldn't believe it. Nixie was asleep. I was like, wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Look what's happening to us. Just doing great oh, things over man. here again. So well, fantastic. I, I get very attached, so if you ever need me again, call me back. And I will oh, sold. We'll, wait. we'll be oh, here for goodness. season five. Have you, have you heard about a renewal yet? It's that time of year. No. No, I haven't heard a thing. That's why I'm starting a podcast, so hopefully. <laughs> Just in case. That's it. Just <laughs> in case. Everybody I love it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very important. Yeah. You'll get yeah. that million. We'll, yeah. yeah, we'll get there with you. <laughs> All righty, sir. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Mark. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks. I mean, the man was full of advice there at the end for us, Mixie. I know. Your Chipotle, like, and I'm sure that's a, a thing that a lot of our listeners deal with. It was advice that I needed to hear. He also gave me the advice I wanted to hear. So it was a win-win on my part. <laughs> I love how we were like, how does that make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what we just saw. It was fantastic. But uh, again, um, giant shout out to uh, Mr. Mark L. Wahlberg there, Mr. Marky Mark. And uh, big appreciation for him making a time for us and, and all those things. And hopefully we can have him on again in the future. 
Yes, we loved every second of it. Go give Marky Mark some love. He uh, he doesn't believe that you guys would listen all the way through no. with all of his advice and no. whatnot. So let him know that you did. Oh, here's a challenge. Here's a challenge. Oh, yeah. How about you leave a review saying you made it all the way to the end, and then we'll screenshot those and send them to him. Yes, that would be amazing. Give us some reviews. Let us know what you thought of Mr. Marky Mark. He would love to hear it as well. We really appreciate you guys. Um, we'll be back with the with the another recap um, for the finale. Uh, we also have the challenge. So you know, nothing short of entertainment left, right, and center from your favorite podcast, The Right Reality. The Right Reality, the number one everything podcast. I think that's what we should just change it to. Absolutely, that is what we should change it to. That is what we should do. Thank you, guys. Hi, right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, bye. 